Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Ben. Welcome to Four Corners Church. So glad you're here. Can you give it up for all of our children's workers that make everything so great? Isn't that awesome? Woo! Woo! For me, that brings back painful memories. I was that shy kid who never wanted to be on stage. And one day a teacher said to me, you know what, you're going to shock us all. There's going to come a time in your life when you're going to love being on stage talking to people. And I said, no way. She was right. I do. I love it. I'm glad that you're here. I have a special guest with me today. His name is Felix. Felix leads the New Life Mission in Hamilton. This is one of our strategic partners moving forward that we're helping raise money for, for our Christmas offering. If you're our guest today, it's a special day to be here because you're going to hear a little bit about the heartbeat of this place. And as our way of saying thanks for being with us, we would love for you, if you're our guest, to take your Connect card that you found on your seat. When you came in, you had to move some stuff. If you'll put your name and home address on there in a legible way, we'll send you some free Chick-fil-A coupons to uh, get some great food over the holiday season. Maybe while you're out shopping, it's our way of saying thanks for being with us. Nobody's going to call you. We're not going to show up at your door. We're not going to hound you. We're not going to sell your information. We just want to say thanks for being with us. And then the other thing that we'd like for you to notice that was on your seat was a little card that looks like this. It says Christmas Eve Eve. Again, if you're our guest, this is the biggest day of the year for us. And that happens on December 23rd at 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. right here in this room. If you're a regular attender, these cards are for you to invite your friends to be with us. All right? So that's coming up Christmas Eve Eve. You can put that stuff aside. Felix, welcome. So glad that you're here. You and your wife, Kim, are with us, right? Kim, if you just wave, let everybody see you over there. Felix and Kim, uh, a year ago, took over the helm of the New Life Mission, this place in Hamilton. But before we jump into the work you're currently doing, Felix, tell everybody a little bit about your journey to the Lord. How did you get into a relationship with Jesus? You know, um, I got saved when I was in my mid-30s. I usually don't say 33 because the people go, oh, that's when Jesus, you know. Yeah. But, so you're kind of like yeah. Jesus. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, when, uh, back in 96, and uh, it was a time my father passed away. And, and, you know, when something like that happens in your life, you start thinking about death and what happens after death. So uh, my wife, Kim, she, she goes, uh, hey, let's go to the church I grew up in. So I'm kind of receptive to that. And I go, oh, okay. We walk in this little church, and everybody, I walk in, these ladies have bonnets on, and they have like these dresses, and all the guys are wearing bib overalls. So Were I'm you guys of, out in the country or something? Oh, no. I look at Kim, and I'm like, what did you get me into? Well, what's the story? <laughs> they uh, end up there having their harvest. They do like a harvest Sunday. Oh. And they like an old-fashioned Sunday. And you didn't know. Well, I'm thinking, okay, she's brought me to a cult. What's going on? <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, so you, it was at that church you yeah. guys started attending, you mm-hmm. started listening. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it, uh, that's when um, you know, the Holy Spirit just, you know, I had made a kind of a profession when I was about 15, but that's when, you know, the Holy Spirit really showed me that that was just words, mm. you know, because through my life I, did, I had no real desire for church or, you know, anything of Christ, anything of Christians, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was literally like a veil being lifted. And, and I saw my need for Christ. That's incredible. So at that place, you committed your life to Christ. Yeah. Now, that's how your journey began. Yes. You've, there's a lot of miles between then and now, right? Does it show? No, no, it oh. doesn't show. You look great, man. <laughs> okay. You look great. Sorry. Um, I'm trying to keep our friendship nice and pleasant. I'll watch my words better. Uh, so tell us a little bit about where this journey with the Lord is taking you. You guys got involved in ministry pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah, we uh, started working in youth ministry. Um, 
and uh, was there for about seven years doing that. And then God had, had moved us on and uh, it started, um, kind of brought me, I'd, I'd played music, bass player, you know, before, played around in clubs, things like that. And God kind of brought that back into my life and started uh, playing in praise band at Landmark in Cincinnati. And within that, you know, ended up, um, Kim started working with women in the women's ministry and uh, God's infinite sense of humor um, through some circumstances ended up being head deacon at the church also. Wow. Which, yeah. You're pretty important. <laughs> well, I don't know. It was kind of like one of those deals I got voted in as deacon in our first meeting. The guys were standing around, so I kind of go, well, you should probably vote in a head deacon. And I'm the youngest guy there, and they're like, oh, you're right. No one's saying anything. So then I go, that little voice in my head says, make this suggestion. So I go, whoever's interested, just throw your hat in the ring. And uh, everyone's like, yeah, right, but no one's saying anything. So again, that little voice goes, throw your hat in the ring to get the ball rolling. So I go, okay, I'll throw my hat in the ring. And then they all looked at me and said, uh, welcome, head deacon. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened? <laughs> So you so. don't, <laughs> you, your church sounds like the church I grew up in. You're, care, you're hesitant to make a suggestion because then it's yours. <laughs> yes. You're hesitant to volunteer because then it's yours, right? Yeah. It's yeah. all yours. But so you stepped up and the Lord started opening doors for you guys yeah. to serve in a big way. And pretty soon you found yourself doing work, not in Cincinnati, but in Hamilton. Yeah. Right? It, What's your connection to Hamilton? How did that happen? Well, I, I grew up in Hamilton and it was back when, you know, Hamilton was prosperous, had all the factories, Armco. You know, uh, Fisher Body, you know, Beckett Paper, Champion Paper. So your life cycle was kind of, you graduate from high school, you get a good, good paying job, do your vacation, you know, down in Florida. And um, I, didn't, I didn't want to work in a factory, so I, I always wanted to get out of Hamilton. So when I was about 20, I left, and I swore I'd never come back. And once again... The Lord brought you back. Yes, he, through some ministry circumstances, brought us back to Hamilton, and... That's when we started in street ministry on Main Street. Now, when you say street ministry, I know what that means, mm -hmm. I think. But what did it mean for you guys? You started serving on the streets of Hamilton. What does that look like? Well, we, and again, you know, God knows that if I know things, I'll run. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we thought we were starting kind of a cafe, prayer ministry. Well, it was right on Main Street there. And um, Around there, what we found was a lot of addiction, a lot of homeless people, a lot of uh, prostitution, and that's how we were kind of drawn into that ministry. And so on Sundays, we would do a uh, block party, and we would get 50 to 100 people from the street out back of the cafe. And most of those people were people that went to, would go to New Life Mission also. That's where I first found out about New Life Mission. So New Life Mission is located, if you're going on 129 into Hamilton from Westchester, you go all the way in, you go under that little train track uh, tunnel, and there's a McDonald's on the left. You just kind of turn left right there, mm -hmm. and it's just down there on, on the right, correct? Yeah, it's, it's about two blocks off of uh, High Street. Yeah. So you mentioned New Life Mission. About mm -hmm. a year ago, um, you ended up as the executive director. Uh, is that your title? Director, bottle washer, plumber, okay. IT guy. Yeah, but so yeah, you're everything. director. You're everything. Director you wear, slash pastor. You wear all the hats. Yeah, yeah and there is a kind of a pastoral role there, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What does New Life Mission do? Some of us have heard about it. It's been in the news a little bit lately. What does New Life Mission do? Well, what we do, it's a, um, we do hot lunches Monday through Thursday. Uh, we feed around 150 people each day. We do a food pantry, which, um, you know, when I first started, a big day at the food pantry was around 35 families. And there was another ministry in town that closed down. 
And since then, it's jumped to about 45 people. So the, 45 families. I'm sorry, yeah, families. Yeah. Come in, they get food. Mm-hmm. Now, over the last few weeks, we've made a couple of deposits as a church uh, through some connections we have, the Boy Scouts uh, primarily. And I think we might have a picture or two. I'm, I'm not sure. No. They're telling me no. We do not have a picture or two. That would be called a failure in communication right there. <laughs> I'll take full responsibility for that one. All right. So uh, we, we have dropped off some food to help mm-hmm. feed these families. So 40, 45 families a week come no, in. To, no, in one day. In one day come yes, in to yeah. get food. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And you're feeding up to 150 people a day with hot food. Mm -hmm. And then um, on Saturdays, it's a bagged lunch, right? Yeah, we do. We do bag lunches on Saturdays. um, Man, that's that's a lot of food. Yeah. Um, So your budget must be astronomical. Yeah. What is it? (laughs) What is your annual budget? The annual budget for everything is about 140,000. About $140,000 a year, you're able to That's, do all of this mm-hmm. and pay an incredible amount of staff. Yeah, um, all one of me. Yes, all right. we do. So, all right, I'm trying to give people a sense that <laughs> right, you're yeah. doing I'm a lot. I'm the only staff member. Sorry. You're doing a lot of work, but you guys have incredible volunteers. volunteers uh, pe- some of the service. people that you have served have come back and begun to serve others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a handful of churches that connect, yeah, and yeah. here we are trying to connect with you as well. Now, yeah. a lot of folks have heard about the New Life Mission because over the last month or so, you guys made the news. You've been here for about a year, yeah. and you're um, having to go in and kind of redo a lot of stuff. Yeah, we're, we're really, it's, um, it, it's, in a re, it's rebuilding, quite honestly. You know, the mission has actually been there since 1969. Okay. You know, it started out as a little small uh, plant, and they went and started doing uh, food baskets out of the garage, then they started feeding, then they started doing clothing. And about 12, 13 years ago, the building we're in now, uh, they built that building, 7,000 square foot building. Um, so the ministry has, has, the needs have definitely grown with the ministry. Um, our donor base didn't grow with our, our needs. So that's kind of where we're at now is uh, previous director was there for him and his wife for about 15 years. And they, it was time for them to retire. They knew that. And um, then uh, he called me out of the blue one day and so what do you think about taking the mission? So it's, I didn't realize exactly, and again, I think there's a theme here between me and God. He doesn't show me everything, because the more I know, <laughs> yeah. the more I make the decision instead of just following his leading. Yeah. And there was, there was a lot, and it really was, it was a, a physical rebuilding, repainted the whole place to give it a more of a kind of a cafe appeal to, you know, the community. Because a big thing is, you know, because someone is living on the street, you know, digging out of garbage cans or whatever, doesn't mean that's how we should serve them. You know, we try to do, you know, I, I've noticed you t- gave us a tour of the building, and you all do a great job, and I can see you like to do things at a, a level that glorifies God, and that's really what we're working at, what we've been working at the last year with the looks, the, how we treat people, how we do every ministry so that it's, it's, uh, it's not breaking down people's dignity anymore, but lifting people up and transforming. You know, to serve people in uh, abject need with incredible dignity, to bring dignity to the service, bring dignity to them is is a gift. And not every ministry has done this. This is something that when you were sharing with me your heart that connected me to you. Um, Years ago, when I was in Tampa starting out in ministry, I was in charge of the benevolence ministry at our church there. And um, one of the challenges was, is how do you serve somebody and bring dignity, not just help? I mean, you guys do that 
beautifully. And I, I'm just so thrilled that our church can partner with you. Now, in the news lately, as you guys have been making these changes, um, some of your financial needs became obvious. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys, yeah. like, kind of were about to hit a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and a couple of people stepped up and said, hey, we'll help, and we want to let, let people know what's going on. So just in a, in a moment, what was going on that created this sense of, oh, my goodness, we need some help? Well, coming into this, I, I, I saw where we were headed to a shortfall. Um, again, didn't really see the, how much of that shortfall was. We were losing a major supporter. And um, even on top of that, we were, we were still falling below. And, you know, it's, it's hard because sometimes when you're in that position and you, I wanted to show urgency this year, but I didn't want to show panic. Because people, sometimes they'll look at a sinking ship and they'll kind of go, that's really sad, you know, and hate to see them go. So it's either that or people will step up. And it, and it wasn't until we were literally two weeks away from our lights going out, our electricity being cut off, and it's like, okay, we have to go nuclear. And um, we were able to, through some connections with the media, get the story out, and people have stepped up. And, you know, we're good February, maybe March. And... Um, but it's That's pretty incredible. So you guys had about a $40,000 gap. Yeah. You've made up about how much of that? About thirty. About $30,000. Yes. And again, when you're talking a budget of one hundred and twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. And you're feeding thousands of people a year. It's incredible how much you guys get done. So uh, our church, as you know, is raising money for our Christmas offering. And if you give to the Christmas offering, not only will you support the work in India that we're doing and the church work and orphanage work in Cuba will be doing and the work with Seven Oaks Farm and the work helping families around here, but we'll be helping New Life Mission, which is just down the road, 129, just the other end, and they serve thousands of people. And our commitment to this year for our Christmas gift, the portion you guys get is about 5,000 bucks. But in addition to that, we'll, we're serving with you monthly. And so we have the first three months of our uh, serving with your four months already planned, and folks here will hear about those things very soon, right after the first of the year. So not only are we going to be giving you some of our money, uh, we're going to be partnering with you in time, energy, and effort as well. And uh, we like to go deep, Felix. Um, there was a years around here where we would spread out our help to you know dozens and dozens of organizations, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But about 10 years ago, we decided that we would go deep with a few. And that's why when you walk out these doors and you see the India wall, you'll see that uh, for seven years, God's done dramatic things. And um, we hope that in seven years, you'll look back with the team of people around you going, look what God has done oh, with some generosity. And so what we do is I ask people kind of boldly, would you guys set aside some money, maybe not buy one Christmas gift, maybe forego some lattes and uh, put that money instead towards the Christmas gift. And I want to tell you Four Corners how impressed I am with you before I ask uh, Felix's last question. But um, we've never seen it like this before. Um, God's really doing something. You guys have really stepped up. But we're at um, $42,000, um, which is our $80,000 goal. Um, that's incredible. So can, I just, can we just give it up for the folks that have been a part of this so far? Yeah. Uh, which is amazing. So we're over halfway towards our goal. But our other goal is 100% participation. And we're rounding about 21% uh, participation, which is very low for us. But it's normal for this time of year. So what we're asking is maybe by our Christmas Eve service, everybody would give something. Um, to help support the Christmas offering over and above your normal giving. And if you don't give it all to Four Corners, then this would be your first time to give to the work we do here. And most of that money goes to do incredible things uh, like what you're hearing right here. 
So as you think about the next few steps in front of you, how can this church, which is a praying and serving and generous church, how can we pray for you? Really just continue to um, just follow God's leading. You know, uh, I, I've been using this account from the Bible a lot lately. Is, is it, uh, you know, the uh, walls of Jericho. God made those walls fall down, you know, and we're looking at this wall. But those walls wouldn't have fallen if people didn't march. And sometimes we kind of over-spiritualize and we just sit back and wait for God to do things. So not only just be praying for, you know, you know my wife and, and I, um, just in, in general for God to, for people to respond. Um, and I know we talk about money a lot, but just as important, there are people that walk alongside of us because we can't do this alone. And, and we know we have to have other people walking with us. And, um, and just one thing I'd like to share is I see a lot of churches that don't have, like them. you've got amazing participation here just from walking around, that when people don't participate, with their, the blessing they're missing, mm. you know, and it's just as much of a blessing to, of helping someone, you know, and, and being a part of that. So, you have our prayers for um, partners. I love what you said that you pray hard, but then you got to get up and march, right? Yeah, and that's absolutely. what the Lord used to bring down the walls of Jericho, right? Mm, absolutely. And so you have our commitment to do that. Can I pray for you right now? Oh, thank Would you. Would it be all right if I just put my hand on your shoulder? Yeah, Guys, would you pray? Bow with me. Father, thank you for my brother Felix. God, I thank you for his wife, Kim. Uh, God, they do an amazing ministry in our area. Um, they are true to the gospel, that they would take food to the hungry, that they would clothe the naked. They set at liberty the captives. God, we're grateful for their partnership. God, would you bless them? Would you encourage their hearts today? Would you let the gift of this church, our generosity towards them, be an encouragement to them? Beyond, Lord, just the money and the practical needs that it meets, would you let them know that we're standing with them? Would you use that to fortify their hearts? We're so grateful, Lord, for men and women of God like Felix and Kim who step up, who are obedient, who go to places where many of us can't or would not go. We're glad, glad, glad to be a part of what you're doing in their lives. And we, Lord, pray for more resources for them, for hearts, for dollars, for people's attention. God, raise up an army of generous Christians in North Cincinnati who do the work you've called us to do. We pray it in your name. Amen and amen. amen. Would you say thank you to Felix and Kim? Thanks so much, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. God bless you. God bless you. Well, it's really exciting to uh, have these ministry opportunities that we get to be a part of. And right now, I want to walk you through uh, week four of our Advent series. And you can follow along your message notes. They look like this. On the front of them is a little picture of Hamilton with a reminder that we're working with the New Life Mission. On the inside is your message notes, as well as some FAQs, uh, frequently asked questions about our Christmas offering. All right. <clears throat> And if you're our guest, you should know we don't talk about money this much, but at Christmas, we believe it's appropriate to say to people, what gift, not do you want to receive, but what gift are you willing to give? We feel like that's an appropriate and healthy question to ask. And uh, if that frustrates you at all, then uh, don't give, don't give, it's okay. Uh, we don't want your money, we want your heart. We want the heart that you have to be allocated and directed towards Jesus. But for those of us that are already there who are walking with the Lord, we know we're not perfect, but we know we've been blessed. And we want to, out of the abundance of our blessing, give back to what 
to the Lord's work, a little bit of what he's blessed us with. And I want to talk with you today uh, on the topic of show me a sign. And our passage that we'll look at today is from Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 on your phone, in your Bible, on your message notes right there or on the screen. You can follow along. This is the story, uh, the Christmas story that you've all heard many, many times. This is the story about the magi or the wise men coming to look at Jesus. And you may have heard the slogan that gets kind of tossed around a lot here. In fact, it's used so often that it loses its punch sometimes. It's so familiar, the idea that wise men, wise people still seek him. That's true. It's true. Wise people still seek the Lord, and they still try to follow God, and they still try to see what God would have them do. It's those kinds of seeking moments that led Felix and Kim to do what they're doing. In my own life, it was those kinds of seeking moments that led me ultimately to start a church here 13 years ago. When you seek the Lord, it's a wise thing to do. It'd be easy to say that our whole church is rallied around the idea of helping people to seek God. We designed a church with people who didn't like church in mind. We wouldn't compromise the gospel, and we wouldn't be soft on the truth that God tells us to bring, but we would try to talk about it in ways where our love would be just as obvious as the truth we were trying to talk about. We would try to talk about it in ways realizing that none of us are perfect. So if you're looking at me as an indicator of whether or not you should follow God, I'll be at best an imperfect indicator. I'm never going to be good enough to show you all that God is. And our church is never going to be perfect because we're made up of imperfect people. In fact, for years we've said it this way. <laughs> if, if you're perfect, you probably don't belong here. We kind of codified that in a few words that said, no perfect people allowed. No perfect people allowed. So wise men still seek him. But what if you were to look at that basic concept with some fresh eyes today? What if you were to look at this kind of known and reused every year slogan that wise people still seek him. And what if you were to look at it in a fresh, fresh way with new eyes? Let's read the passage and then we'll try to do just that. Matthew chapter two, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi or wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. After they, heard, after they had heard the king, so we've skipped a few verses here, but after they had heard the king Herod, they went to talk to and his people about all the stuff with the baby and King Herod had given them some instructions. Those are important to the story. They're not important to our point today. But after they had heard the king, they went on their way and their star and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. One of my children used to say gold, frankenstein, and myrrh. And we always thought that was funny. They grew out of that, but it's still funny. We bring it up every Christmas. It's not as funny to you, obviously, but in our house, it's a Funny little joke. All right. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let me ask you a quick question. How many wise men were there? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us. We say three because there were three gifts, and we imagine that they brought each of them a gift. We don't know how many there were. There may have been two. There may have been 30. But somewhere there was a group of people from the east who saw a sign from God, and they followed it. 
They followed that sign and it brought them to a person. And I want to give you the first fill in on the blank here because our concept today isn't challenging, but it might be surprising. It's not difficult to understand, but it might be very insightful for you today. And if not for you, I bet you, you know someone. I bet you, you know someone right now, maybe somebody in your house, in your family, you go to school with them, you work with them, that the concept, the simple little thing we're going to talk about today would be eye-opening for them. It would help them to understand the God behind the Christmas of the season in a fresh way. Here's our first blank. Maybe the resolution for your deepest question isn't an answer. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a person. Maybe the resolution for your deepest question isn't an answer. Maybe it's a person. They followed the star looking for something, looking for a person, looking for the newborn king. They were on a search. And you're going to encounter people, and you are right now. There are some in this room. Some of you are here. You're encountering people who are on a search for something. There's something going on in their life, and they want to understand it. They want to make sense of it. They have deep questions about life and what's going on with them. And they want answers. This week, uh, Jill and I caught up on a lot of our Christmas shopping. We've been behind this year. and We're trimming the budget and trying to do other important things beyond just buying gifts that we don't really absolutely need. And so we caught up a lot about our, our Christmas shopping this year. And when we got home, our kids started peppering us with questions. I mean, they know we're not going to tell them what we bought them. But they want to know what stores we went to. They're going to reverse engineer. Right? And they know if we go to certain stores, it means certain kinds of things. And so, of course, we said we didn't go anywhere. Um, we didn't do anything. Um, we, we try to like, keep it all thing. But they have questions. They want to know where you went and what did you do and how is that going to impact my life. And that's kind of fun at Christmas. But it's not fun when you have deep, deep questions about where you are. Why did I get that report from the doctor? Why is my business doing this thing? Why do the changes over here have to impact me this way? Why would God allow this? And it's almost cliche because I say it a lot around here, but and what is the most wonderful time of the year? For a lot of people, it isn't. And they want to know why. In the Bible, there was a guy who had deep questions about what's going on with his life. And you don't have to turn to his book in the Bible, but if you want to, it's a wonderful read of 42 chapters. It'll take you about three hours to get through it if you read at a slow pace. So it'd be a good investment of your time. But his name was Job. Job in the Old Testament. You can tell his basic story in about 45 seconds, but the Bible gives us 42 chapters. And Job had an interesting life. The Bible says he was a good man, he didn't necessarily deserve bad stuff in his life, although we all, none of us are perfect, we all can kind of deserve some of it, but he wasn't so bad that he deserved the calamity that came on him. And man, that calamity came. Financial loss, health issues, issues in his family, his closest loved ones experienced incredible, you know, calamity themselves and it impacted his life and deep loss and he came through the first couple chapters in his book wondering, God, why would you do that? Why would you allow that? What, where's the justice in this? This doesn't make any sense. What am I supposed to do with this? 
He had some friends come around him. A lot of the chapters in the Bible from the book of Job deal with the conversations between Job and his friends. And he's wondering how to make sense of all this stuff in life. Just like some of the people you are working with and relatives you have who are managing unwelcome news right now. What do I do with this? And why did it happen? And what should I do now? And these are important questions. And so like a lot of people in today's world, maybe you've done this, Job and his friends get together and he's there with his wife and they're having all kinds of conversations about it. And somebody's offering perspective A and somebody else offers perspective B and they're all just there trying to help. But at the end of it, none of the answers are really deeply satisfying for Job. And you go about 39 chapters like this. Question, back and forth. And well, if that's true, then why this? And they're, they're looking for that answer that's elusive. But somewhere about chapter 39 and 40 and 41 right near the end of the Bible book of Job, something dramatic happens. God shows up. God shows up. And God enters the conversation. Now, without like going into all the theology of Job, just in the little bit that I've shared with you, if I'm writing the story of Job and God shows up, I would want God to give me, if I'm Job, the answer to the questions I have. Why did this happen? What am I supposed to do? Is there any real justice in the world? I'd want God to answer my questions. But when God shows up, one of the interesting parts of this story, the little twist in the story is, he doesn't answer the question why at all. He doesn't deal with the question why at all. He doesn't make sense of any of the stuff. But when God shows up and begins to talk with Job, there's a personal encounter between God and the guy with questions. And that personal encounter leaves the guy with questions in a very different place. When God and Job quit talking, here's what Job says. Job says, I've heard with my ears, but now I've seen with my eyes that you're a good God. That's my paraphrase. Exact quote, I've heard with my ears, but now I see with my eyes, he says. He moved from some knowledge about God to an experience with God. And his questions were still there. He still had some rough stuff to deal with. But a personal encounter with God helped him to see his questions differently. And to evaluate his current situation differently. It changed everything, even when nothing changed. It wasn't information that brought him a change of perspective and brought peace to him in the middle of his challenges. It wasn't information. The information did not change. It was just as ugly. But he had a personal encounter with God. And that changed everything. Point number two in your message notes. The Magi, the wise men, they were looking for answers in the stars. <laughs> Tradition tells us that these wise men were probably stargazers, maybe all the way from over in Babylon, modern day, Iran, Iraq, and they were looking up at the stars and there was some dramatic movement and they began to follow it because clearly it meant something. And 
There's all kinds of religious tradition around that stuff. But bottom line is, is they were looking for answers up there. Like a lot of us. Like a lot of people that you know. In fact, the more people hear about God, the more sometimes they have questions about why and what and what should I think about this now and how could you and that's reasonable. And if you've ever been disappointed with God, you're probably sitting in a room full of a lot of people who felt the same way. And that might surprise you to have a pastor acknowledge that people have been and often are disappointed with God. But they are. They are. I've been there. And if you've grown up in church, you know you're not supposed to ever go there. But it's a normal, common reaction. And when it happens, we tend to look up and go, help me understand. So that brings us to point number three. Most of us look for answers to deep questions from time to time. We've been getting the um, annual Christmas cards from our friends. I love to open them up and read the letters. And most of the time it's good stuff. But every once in a while, somebody will have a few sentences about something that's happened in the last year. You probably get letters like that too. And you go, oh my goodness, that was, that, they've had a rough year. It's been tough for them. So sometimes I'll shoot a text or I'll pick up the phone and go, we didn't, we didn't know that. We, but very rarely do I have answers. And you might not have answers for yourself. You may not have answers for your child. You may not have answers for your friends. And I want to remind you, point number four, that a lot of times when we're looking for answers, what we really want is a person. I learned this in a fresh way as a parent. When my kids would be upset at night, it'd be bedtime. And it wasn't the, I'm going to fake upset so I don't have to go to bed. You've seen that as a parent? No, this is, they were really upset. They were afraid of something at night, something was going on. We'd go to their room and they'd try to explain the thing. There was a noise, there's something under the bed, there was a light, there was a thing. And what was it? And we'd try to, we'd try to like turn on the light and here, get out of bed, look under the bed. There's nothing down there. But it, it never satisfied at all. You know what satisfied? When we'd sit by the bed and we'd put our arm around him. Or we'd say, come on, get in our bed, which always made me mad, by the way. But we'd, we'd do it, you know, come on. get. And I put my arm across the kid. And the noise was still there. There was no scientific answer, but it was the presence of somebody they trusted that gave them the energy to get over the hump. You know what it's like as an adult? Sometimes when there's no answers, just having somebody who cares present with you changes everything. And that's why for the members of our congregation who's lost somebody in the last year deep and close to them, you feel that more tightly and more really at this time of year, maybe than any other time. Our, our heart goes out to you. You know the joy of being with someone who doesn't necessarily have the answers, but they have you in their heart. And that personal connection makes the difference. You understand that? That's exactly what your heavenly father is trying to communicate to you at Christmas. There's going to be some stuff you don't have answers for. But through the person of Jesus, God sent his one and only son to be among us, to be with us through it. 
to take off the robes of divinity, as it were, Philippians tells us, and put on human flesh and to live among us. He didn't wipe away every problem. That will come in the future. The Bible tells us he'll wipe every tear from every eye. But here and now, the present ministry of God through the Holy Spirit is is that he is with us. In fact, Jesus' most oft-repeated language was this. I will be with you. You're not alone. It's the little boy or the little girl scared at night. And mom and dad comes in. Mom or dad comes in and puts the arm around the child. And within five minutes, the baby, the kid's asleep. It's the same kind of thing. God is with you. So number five then, for the Magi, what started in the sky ended with a babe in the manger. They started looking up there, but they focused on a person. And I like the fact that in the Christmas story, it's a baby, because if there is ever an indicator of potential and what could be and possibility, oh my goodness, I wonder what lies in the future. It's the image of a baby, a human being, not yet fully formed, not yet having done life. And I think that's a perfect metaphor for the kind of thing that happens when a person doesn't just hear with their ears like Job had done, but they see with their eyes the God who is present And the potential involved in a you and God kind of relationship where you understand and begin to embrace the fact that God is present and he's there. It brings us to number six, that while they were looking for answers, they found a person instead. And I I just wanted to offer you a very simple truth today. That it could be that you need an answer or two, and maybe legitimately you need an answer. That's fine. Maybe that answer will come. Maybe it'll come in a satisfying way to you. Maybe it'll make sense. Maybe you'll get the details you want. I don't know. But I know this. That when I haven't gotten the answers I wanted, but I remember that I was with God, and more importantly, he is with me, it begins to put my quest for answers in a different light. Sometimes it doesn't bring me full peace, but it bends me towards peace. Sometimes it calms me just a little bit. Some of you know that Jesus had a lot of names. He had the name Jesus, which means Savior, and Christ, anointed one. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah described a lot of names from God. He'll be called Wonderful. He'll be called Counselor. Mighty God and Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. These are titles or names for God. And one of of the favorite ones I like to talk about at Christmas time is the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's number seven on your message notes. God with us. That's what Christmas is. Not just the answer, although Jesus is the answer to almost every problem in one form or another even if it's not the answer you're looking for. But the meta story here is is that God with you makes a difference. He's the one that comes in in the middle of the night and, you know, sometimes shows you under the bed it's okay or there's nothing in the closet, but more importantly, he sits with you. He's there. He's present. And I'm wondering if for your own life right now, If you might be in a situation where while you think you need an answer, could it be that maybe what you need, just as much as the answer, is a fresh 
reminder and experience with the God who loves you, who said he would never leave you or forsake you. What if you could come through this Christmas season not just being remembering that there was a baby born 2,000 years ago, but there is a present, risen Savior who has not forgotten you, who knows everything about you, and who declares over and over again in the Scripture that he will work all things for your good. Now that's a truth that's hard to embrace in the middle when you're still looking for answers. I've only been able to embrace it fully on the back end when I've gotten through and I look back and I go, oh, oh, I see now, God, you were doing something. Because in the middle, I'm like, where's the Lord and where are people and where's my answer? But I wonder if, like me, you could grab hold of that verse that speaks from the future. He will work all things for your good. All things will work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans, Paul writes. And I wonder if you could grab hold of that verse that speaks from the future and begin to pull some of that present reality into right now. Number eight then, maybe a person will satisfy you more deeply than you can imagine. Maybe that person is the Lord Jesus. And what if that's not for you, but what if God has given you the ability to have influence of somebody in somebody's life right now, who's going through something and they want an answer and their answer's fine. Wanting an answer is okay. But what if you could be there to remind them that two other realities are going on even when they don't know the answers to their questions? Those two realities are this. One is you're present. You'll be there with them. You'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death with them and you'll go through that thing with them and you'll visit the hospital with them and you'll talk about the current realities with them and their fears with them and you'll be patient with them. You'll be there. And maybe God would give you an open door to remind them that he'll be there. Because you being there is awesome, but you're still limited. God's not. What if God would use you to remind them that while they can still seek their answer, maybe what they need is a deep personal connection with the Lord? This is what Jill and I are praying for as we are inviting our guests to Christmas Eve Eve. We don't want them to just come to a service. We want them to have a profound encounter with the risen Christ. Because I know this. Like Job said, they can hear about it all day long. But when they see it with their own eyes, when they see him, something changes. And I want that for you. And I want that for the people that are in your lives. That's why we created a church. That's why we serve people. It isn't just to meet their needs. Felix doesn't give people food just to meet their needs. He wants them to know that behind the giving of food, there is a risen Jesus. And that Jesus will change everything. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for the people you care about. Perhaps some of us need less of an answer and more of an encounter with a person whose name is Jesus. The baby born in a manger gave his life on a cross and was raised from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, ready to make intercession, that is to work on our behalf for our good. Would you do this right now? Would you take out your connect card? It has some next steps on it we're going to take. If you're our guest, 
we believe that you come to church not to just hear stuff, but to move forward. And I'm going to suggest with you one of five steps that you could take right now to move forward in your faith. And the first one for us every week right there, next step A says, today I'm making Jesus my Savior and Lord. And I've been talking about a personal relationship with Jesus, but maybe you don't have a relationship with him. If you don't, it's okay. You can change that right now. All the questions you have about him, I have found those questions sometimes get answered, not by getting the answer, but by encountering him. And this is a step that allows you to do that. It says, today I'm making Jesus my Savior and Lord. If you would, you take that pen we provide and check next step A. And in a moment, I'm going to pray and give you a chance to do business with God and say effectively to him what the Bible says about you. God, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. No amount of good work will do it. So I'm going to trust the work that Jesus has done on the cross and in his resurrection as the only way for me to have a relationship with my heavenly father. I'm going to trust in that alone. If you want to do that and then put this card in the offering bucket, that'll come by in just a moment. Pray with me as I pray and commit your life to Jesus. We believe he'll change you in a moment. Or perhaps you need to choose to get baptized. Today, Next Step B says, today I'm choosing to be baptized. We baptized 14 people last week right here on this stage. It's incredible what happened here. And uh, these folks all have had a profound encounter with the Lord in some way. And they still had problems but God showed up into their lives. Or next step C says, hey, Ben, staff team, would you pray with me for Christ to deeply satisfy the deep matters of my heart? I mean, I don't know what you're going through, but if there's something and you want to tell us about it, you can write it as a prayer request. We'll pray. Or you can check the box and know that we as a staff are just going to join with you and say, God, would you satisfy the longing of their heart, but would you also show them yourselves, yourself, and make yourself plain to them? Next step, D says, I'm interested in hosting a 4C group. This is where we get out of our rows and we get in circles and small groups. And we get to talk about the work that God's doing in our lives and build relationships with people who are also going in the same direction. And if you'd like to help us host a group to do that, just check the box and we'll have a conversation with you about it. And next step, E is about our Christmas Eve Eve service. It says, I'll invite two people to our Christmas Eve Eve service. That's just less than a week away. You'll show up in this room at seven or nine. If you have young kids, you may want to come to seven because you have to get them to bed. That's fine. And if you, if you can and can wait till nine o'clock, it's usually a little less crowded. Come to nine o'clock and we'll do that together. All right. So take your next step. If you don't mind, take the card, set it aside. We're going to pray in just a moment. But right now, for the folks who call Four Corners home, this is where we're going to invest back in the ministry of our church. The folks around you are moving because they're putting cards down and some folks are coming forward to receive your tithe and offering and others are writing checks or getting cash out. If you're our guest, this is not for you. You're welcome to participate. We'll use your money to further the ministry of this church. But really, this is for people who call our church home. They believe that the money they give back to the Lord is a blessing for them and it's a blessing for the people it serves. Four Corners, I'm blown away by your generosity. I, I'm just blown away. I was chatting with two pastors this week on the phone. We're in a little three-way call. We do that once a month. And I was just sharing with them your generosity. And they couldn't believe it. I was sharing the stories of India and the boys' home we're going to build and how there are still seven wells in Africa pumping fresh water every day. There's a birthing clinic in Ghana that we built years ago. And I'm looking forward to the work we're doing with the 
New Life Mission and in Cuba starting this year. Thank you for being faithful. You make it happen. God takes pennies and dollars and changes lives. We're going to pray about our next steps on our offering, and then you can put the cards and your offering right in the bucket. Would you pray with me right now? Father, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Lord, I want to thank you for all the folks who serve in our children's ministry. It's what a blessing they are as they invest in the next generation. I'm grateful, Lord, for the fact that you're showing up in their lives. And they don't know you yet, these little children. They, they, they only know about you. They're hearing about you. But they have a real life person demonstrating what it is to be a person changed by Jesus. Present in their lives, communicating and talking. I'm grateful for each servant who serves. Lord, I want to take a moment and pray for the men and women in this room who are right now saying, Jesus, would you wash away my sins? Would you cover me by your shed blood? I have nothing to bring you, so I trust only the work you've already done. Would you save me? God, I pray for the men and women in this room who are going through stuff right now. And the truth is they do need some answers. So God, would you bring them the answers they need? But also, Lord, would you bring them a fresh revelation of yourself? They would see you more brightly. They'd look full into your wonderful face. And everything on earth then would take its right place. Father, bless all of our steps. Help us to grow in you. And Lord, would you take the offerings that we're about to give and help it to go far and wide to reach a generation that needs to know you. Let it go deep into Kerala, India and just outside of Havana, Cuba and all the way right down 129 at New Life Mission. And would you help the work here right now, God, continue to change lives as we're generous and faithful to give. We're so abundantly blessed by you, Father. It's a privilege to give back a part of what you've given to us. Make the work that you're going to do bring glory to yourself and not to us. And just before I say amen, Lord, God, would you begin preparing hearts even now to come and be a part of our Christmas Eve Eve service? And would you, Lord, be bending hearts even now to respond to the gospel when they're here? Lord, we don't want just big crowds. We want to grow the kingdom. We want to see lives changed. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, God's strong and holy son. Amen and amen.